this is Kara Foster, Senior Minister of First Christian Church, Disciples of Christ in Madisonville, Kentucky. You're listening to our sermon podcast. You can connect with us at firstchristianmadisonville.org or join us in person at 8.30 and 11 a.m. at 10.30 College Drive in beautiful Madisonville, Kentucky. I hope you'll subscribe. Thanks. Well, this morning I'm beginning a series of great prayers from Scripture. As we look at Scripture, we see there are all kinds of prayers, all kinds of examples of prayers. Prayers of hope and gratitude, prayers of longing, prayers of grief and pain and heartache, prayers for wisdom, prayers for courage. And sometimes even the most chatty of us will come to moments in our lives where we may not have the words. In fact, I've mentioned this to you before, but there was, I I always think of a distinct moment in my life when I was called to the hospital bedside of a 14-year-old girl, Morgan. Morgan had her own church, uh, but I knew her because she often came to church on Wednesday nights with her best friend, and she gave great hugs was a very healthy, strong girl, and she had a sudden rare illness and a massive seizure, and suddenly she was on life support in the hospital. And the tests were showing that there was no longer any brain activity. And the medical staff gave the family, I think as they often do, a day to process this information with the promise that they would retest the next morning to see if anything had changed, knowing that um, without some miracle, it wouldn't change. And that night, I got a request from Morgan's mom for me to come to the hospital to pray. And I distinctly remember driving that almost hour drive to Children's Hospital, saying to God, Lord, please give me the words. Because I didn't have them. And God truly showed up for me that night um, in ways I'll always be grateful for. But one of the things I chose to do in that moment when I didn't feel like I had the words is I used somebody else's and I read scripture that night. And so one of the prayers, one of the reasons I want to share these prayers with you is that I hope you will know them, that you will be familiar with them, that you will have them close to your so that these prayers can be your prayers too when you need them, when you need the words. And so our prayer today is a prayer of gratitude and thanksgiving and hope. It's a prayer of both. And it's from Philippians chapter 1, and I'm going to begin reading in verse 3. And I might read along with me. Philippians 1, verse 3. I thank my God every time I remember you, constantly praying with joy in every one of my prayers for all of you because of your sharing in the gospel from the first day until now. And I'm confident of this, that the one who began a good work among you will bring it to completion by the day of Jesus Christ. And it is right for me to think this way about all of you because you hold me in your heart. For all of you share in God's grace with me, both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. For God is my witness, how I long for all of you with the compassion of Jesus Christ. 
with knowledge and full insight to help you determine what is best, so that in the day of Christ you may be pure and blameless, having produced the harvest of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ for the glory and praise of God. It's the Apostle Paul who offers this prayer of thanksgiving and hope. He offers this prayer to the entire church at Philippi. And Paul writes this letter from prison. It's largely known that this letter was written during Paul's second missionary journey, and he had been arrested and was awaiting trial by the Roman government. Everything was uncertain. And we learn later on in Philippians that Paul um, received a visitor. The church in Philippi sent a member of the church to come visit him. His name is Ephrodotitus. Why hasn't anyone named their kid Ephrodotitus lately? I'm sticking with Luke, but uh, Ephrodotitus, I can't say that quickly, had come all the way from present-day Greece to go see Paul in prison. He nearly died on the journey, he almost didn't make it, but he comes and he brings some gift and he comes to see Paul. And Paul, Paul had been a church leader, he had helped to begin this church, he had baptized them, he had buried them, he had encouraged them to stay strong in the faith, and now he is in prison. Everything out of his control. He doesn't know what's going to happen to him. And he is moved. In the ancient world, there's this common way, common format, really formula for writing letters that many of our epistles follow. And typically you would say who you are, by what authority you are speaking, and then offer some brief gratitude before you really dive into what you wanted to write about. Paul never misses a chance to speak about his authority. He always opens his letters with his authority. And in other letters like Colossians and 2 Corinthians, he begins by writing, Paul, an apostle by the will of God. In Galatians, he says, Paul, an apostle, not from man nor through man, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead. Philippians is different. Paul doesn't boast about his authority. He doesn't even give a little resume to speak about why he should be a leader. He just says, Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus. He's humbled. He is moved, not because he sits in prison, but because he can't believe they have sent someone all that way to come see him, that the church has remembered him and went out of their way to help him in his time of need. They brought him a gift. They got him someone who came all that way just to bring him something. Gone is the brash, driven leader, Paul is a servant of Christ Jesus. He is so filled with gratitude that he wants to tell them, I thank my God every time I remember you. Constantly praying with joy in every one of my prayers for you. And he says, it's, it's right that I should think this way among you. And I am confident that the one who began a good work among you will bring it to completion as the day of Christ. He says that I pray that your love will overflow more and more. It's funny. I spent some time imagining this week what letter 
I would write to you all if I were in prison. And I thought to myself, well, let's see, let's just go back. Not even prison today. Let's go to first century prison in, in the Roman Empire. Let's see, I would write, I'm cold, I'm hot, I'm hungry, I'm tired, I'm sick, the food is terrible. Thanks for the gift, everybody, but could somebody get me a really good lawyer? I'd like some bread, maybe a little cheese, a little chocolate next time, wouldn't be too bad either. But Paul doesn't do that. He does not make this letter about himself. He doesn't. He doesn't throw a pity party. He's touched. He's moved by their generosity. He wants them to know the only thing that he really can do for them at this point, that he is praying for them. He goes on to tell them how he prays for them and why he prays for them. I thank my God for you, and my prayer is that your love may overflow so that you may grow with knowledge and full insight. As a parent, I can't help but think what a wonderful prayer this is to pray for your own children. I hope you do pray for your kids. I hope you do tell your kids that you pray for them. I thank my God for you. But it's not just for the kids. This is a prayer of thanks for all those who have helped show us the light of Christ when we have needed it. A prayer for the ones who showed up when they didn't have to in our lives. It's right for me to get, think this way about all of you because you hold me in your heart. For all of you share in God's grace with me, both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. For God is my witness, how I long for all of you with the compassion of Christ Jesus. Paul, literally sitting in a dark prison cell, and the fact that the people of the church sent a representative all that way just to be a tangible reminder of God's love to him in those moments, he is touched. You ever have somebody show up for you? Not asking, just show up for you. Your college roommate you haven't seen in years hops a plane and a moment's notice just to attend your dad's funeral, just to be there for you. The friend that continued to reach out and call you and check on you when you were a terrible friend to them, when you were going through a really hard and sad moment in your life. The neighbor who said, hey, I'm going to take you to your chemo treatments. Don't worry about how you're going to get back and forth. The sister who just knew you needed her and was there. Who are those people? Who comes to mind in your life? And maybe right now, when you think about that, you might have a little moment of pain for your own life, recognizing there were times in your life when you needed somebody or someone, and you didn't have that person in your life. And if that is you today, then I hope you will recognize that painful feeling and decide to transform it by becoming the person you needed for somebody else. Who are those people? Who are those people that travel great distances just to be there? Who's the person that was light of Jesus Christ to you in a very dark and hard time? Paul is so touched by the church. I thank my God every time I remember you. 
And I can't be certain, but I happen to believe that Paul was smiling from his prison cell for a long time at the memory of that one visitor from far away. You know, the great disciple preacher, Fred Craddock, once said, I have never known someone who is grateful, who is at the same time small, sniping, bitter, judgmental, or unloving. And he's right, isn't he? It could even make someone sing from the prison cell. Paul's letter to the church in Philippi reminds us that a prayer of gratitude can happen anywhere. Prayers like this one don't depend upon our circumstances or our status, because according to Paul, your cup can overflow at any time and any place, even from prison. In the book, Help, Thanks, Wow, by Anne Lamont, she talks about how she grew up in a very non-religious family, and that because of that, their family, they never grew up saying a blessing or grace before a dinner meal. And she said she and her siblings, they've all grown up to become believers in their life, and now whenever they are together, they do always say a blessing. And what she writes, I love this sentence, she says, I think we're in it for the pause. I think we're in it for the pause. The quiet thanks for love and for our blessings before the shoveling begins. So do me a favor. We're going to pause here in just a moment. And I want you to pause and just take a moment to recognize with gratitude and hope the good gifts of your life right now. Take a moment to pause for the people who have shown up for you in your own dark moments, for the tangible, visible reminders of God's goodness and grace in your own life. Just pause with me for a moment. Now, church, hear this prayer that comes from a prison cell to Philippi to Madisonville. I thank my God every time I remember you, constantly praying with joy in every one of my prayers for all of you because of your sharing in the gospel from the first day until now. And I am confident of this, that the one who began a good work among you will bring it to completion by the day of Jesus Christ. And it is right for me to think way about all of you, because you hold me in your heart, for all of you share in God's grace with me, both in my imprisonment and the defense and confirmation of the gospel, for God is my witness how I long for all of you with the compassion of Christ Jesus. And this is my prayer, that your love may overflow more and more with knowledge full insight to help you determine what is best, so that in the day of Christ you may be pure and blameless, having produced the harvest of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ, the glory and praise of God. Thanks be to God. Amen.